and thank you, ladies. And uh, not only did they sing beautifully this morning, but they navigated the steps in high heels. Uh, that's an added measure of difficulty there this morning. But appreciate that song. I hope it sunk in with you a little bit this morning, uh, that God has been nothing but good. And even when times are hard and they're difficult and they hurt, uh, God is still good, and we can trust Him for that this morning. It is good to have you in service today, and hope you've been looking forward to Sunday. This is the Lord's Day, and uh, I look forward to Sunday like a lot of people look forward to Friday. You know what I mean? A lot of folks, when you work out there in the world and you're out there on a job, maybe in a secular society, you look forward to the weekend where you can get away from that. And I look forward to the weekend as well, but not for that reason, so that I can get back around my Christian family around God's people to encourage me and strengthen me and fellowship with. And we need that, don't we? Uh, tomorrow you have to go back out there into the world and help keep America going and working. And sometimes the situations are not those that you'd like to be. But thank God we have Sunday, amen, to come to God's house. It is good to have you here this morning and uh, excited about the service we're looking forward to today and tonight. Uh, before I introduce our speaker today, I do want to uh, let you know, if you notice down front, we have a missionary with us today. Miss Becca, where are you? Uh, wave at me. She's around here somewhere. She's back there. Uh, Ms. Becca Pape, she's back there by uh, Brother Jamie. And uh, she is going to be uh, sharing her burden tonight for the country of Brazil. Uh, if you were around several years before I came here, uh, Central went down to the Dominican Republic to help serve alongside of the Pape family. That is her family. And now the Lord has called her to go to Brazil. I want to encourage you after the service, we'll let her come down at the end of the service. Get by there and visit her table. Get one of her prayer cards. And we're excited about being able to have the opportunity to partner with her as she helps take the gospel down to Brazil. So looking forward to that tonight. Uh, but this morning we have a guest speaker who's no guest. I told my Sunday school class he is no stranger to Central Baptist Church. We're thankful to have Brother Kurt Copeland with us. This past week he spoke at the open camp uh, down at Mom and Dad's there at Cherith and uh, had a wonderful time. Several young people came to know the Lord this week and excited about that. Some of our young people were encouraged and challenged by the Word of God through Brother Copeland's preaching. And uh, I'm always glad to have him in town. He's an encouragement to me uh, and a blessing, iron sharpeneth iron. And I appreciate that about him very much. He's been a dear friend to me. And uh, I told our Sunday school class, I want to encourage you to get some good, godly friends. You're going to need them in the world we're living in. He's been just that to me. Uh, Brother Copeland been in youth ministry and evangelism, mostly youth ministry, for almost three decades. Uh, now, I know you're looking at him and you're thinking, he doesn't even look three decades old. Uh, he told me at dinner the other night, he's 52. And I says, my soul, I look closer to 52 than you do. Uh, you should be the 43-year-old and I should be the 52-year-old. Uh, but uh, amen, we'll swap together and we'll just identify as that, okay? I'll identify as 52 and you identify as 43. I hear that's the going thing now. Uh, but uh, I'm thankful for him. Uh, I've always thought of Brother Copeland. Even before I got to know him well, I would listen to him preach. Uh, Brother Copeland's been like America's youth pastor. Uh, helped a lot, a lot of young people throughout the years. There are many young people that are not necessarily as young as they were, uh, serving on the field, uh, missionaries, pastors, preachers, uh, full-time Christian service because of the investment he made in their life. Uh, a lot of our young people will tell you testimonies that, of, of how God used him in their life. And I'm thankful for that. And he's going to come and preach for us this morning uh, and this evening as well. I told him, I said, Brother Copeland, you're going to be preaching in front of Baptist City. Uh, that's not normally how we look, but I'm thankful he's here today. So let's welcome him here to the pulpit at Central this morning.
hopefully. And uh, I didn't flip the switch there. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And uh, sure is good to see you in church this morning. And uh, thank you for coming. I'm excited. I didn't realize as good, I was as good of a guy as I am. Man, I wish my wife were here to hear that. She doesn't. She didn't know how good she's got it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I'm thrilled to be here. It was all lies. Is really what it was. I was a youth pastor because I couldn't get a real job. That's that's the, you know, they they put me with the teenagers and and uh, and so you know anyway, that's, we had a we had a good time. God allowed us to serve alongside with teenagers for for a number of years, and we had a great time with it. And still. Traveling and evangelism, getting to be around teenagers quite a bit. I love it. I'm, I, I find myself naturally drawn to the mature teenagers. Okay, to the teenagers anyway. And I love being around teens. I really do. I, I, my wife, she joking, I think jokingly says, you're an you're a eighth grade boy in the brain. And uh, I, I still am stuck somewhere in seventh or eighth grade up here. But uh, I have a good time anyway. I enjoy laughter. I enjoy, I enjoy being at Central Baptist Church. And uh, you've got a great, great church here. And I don't know, look around, the place is full. And uh, this is amazing. And uh, I, I love it. I love the spirit. I, I love the smiles. No, really, I love the smiles. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't know if I want this guy here or not yet. And, uh, well, you're stuck with me for a few minutes. And, and uh, anyway, I, I'm thrilled to be here. My wife and I, we've been married uh, 29 years Seven months, 14 days, and 22 hours in, in two minutes. It'll be 22 hours. And uh, I am that romantic. <sighs> Actually, we got married on January 1st, so it's real easy to do the math. And as long as I know what today's date is, I can put the math together pretty quick. And uh, God's, get, God's blessed us with uh, two beautiful daughters. And uh, I'll start with my youngest. I, I think I told you this, I was here in January, I, I think I told you then too. My daughter, uh, Gabrielle, she's my youngest. She is 22 years old. She just got married on uh, Labor Day. And, uh, is that, no, Memorial Day. Whichever one we just had. Memorial Day. It's Memorial Day. <clears throat> and uh, so just, she's a month, month into marriage, give or take. And uh, she, is, she is no longer my bill. I am so thankful. That poor guy's stuck paying all her bills now. And uh, actually, he's, his name's Hayden. He's from Cleveland, Ohio, Cleveland Baptist Temple. His parents serve on staff there. And uh, they, are, they are just wonderful, wonderful people. We love Hayden. Hayden uh, graduated from Pensacola two years ago and, uh, and now is a firefighter in Winder, Georgia, and, uh, and, and doing a great job. My daughter graduated from Pensacola this past May and uh, got a degree in nursing. She is a... She passed her, whatever that test is, they take NCLEX or MCLEX or some test like that. I don't even know. Yeah, anyway, she passed that, her first try at it. So she is an official RN. And so it's funny because now as a, as a, as a nurse, when I'm feeling ill or I have a problem, I just call, hey, Gabby, what's my problem here? What's going on here? Dad, I, you know, how am I supposed to know that through the phone? You know, and I said, well, you're not really a nurse. And I'll hang up on her. And uh, you're not even earning your pay yet. Come on now. And... Uh, but we're at, they're, they're, they live in Winder, Georgia, and uh, my wife, I was on, my, on the phone this morning with my wife, and, and uh, she had just talked to my daughter earlier today, and, and uh, they were up getting ready to go to church. And uh, I'll tell you, that means the world to me, to have a family wanting to be in church, wanting to do what God wants them to do. And uh, I'm not an emotional person, but I'm having a hard time fighting these back right now, and uh, just having children living for God. And uh, 
My oldest daughter, <clears throat> my youngest daughter is Gabby, married, living, faithful, doing what God wants. My oldest daughter, her name is Angel, and uh, we don't know what kind of angel she is. We're still trying to determine that. And uh, her, her friends in high school nicknamed her Lucy, short for Lucifer. <laughs> and uh, you got to love that. And uh, she, is, she, is, uh, she, she taught in a Christian school over in Fort Walton Beach, not too far from here, Fort Walton Beach, Florida. She taught there for three years, and, and God has changed some things for her. She's no longer going to be teaching there, and, and uh, kind of in a different career path maybe for, for at least temporarily. And, and so she moved back in home. I was telling the Sunday school class this morning, I'm not real happy about that. We enjoyed, I've heard preachers say over and over again, Miley, just so you know, <clears throat> I've heard preachers say over and over again, just don't know what we're going to do when our kids move out. It's going to be terrible. What are we going to do? They're liars. <laughs> they are liars. I'm not speaking of the Andrews family in particular, but I'm just saying, they're liars. The kids move out. It is awesome. It is so nice. I mean, you don't have to worry about what kids are doing, where they're at. It is, if you're a teenager here, you're thinking, is that really what parents think? Yes, 100%. And parents may say, oh, that's not really true. They're, they're lying. It is true. And uh, I'm just kidding. She's back home now, so we're still trying to figure out how to live with that. And uh, we are, we, I've taken applications. I literally have taken applications. And uh, we, have, we have listed her on ChristianMingle.com. We are, we are doing everything we can to find this girl a husband. And no one will take her. And so we've, we've determined, you know, it doesn't matter if he's saved or not. As long as he's got a big fat bank account, we can get him saved later. We can. So we are, I'm just kidding. That's, that's, she is dating. As a matter of fact, she's on vacation right now with her boyfriend and their family, her, her her boyfriend's dad is a uh, pastor in Georgia, in the Atlanta area, southeast Atlanta, uh, Douglasville area, and uh, and they they went on vacation. And she's with them right now in Florida somewhere, and I don't even, I don't know I don't know where she I don't care where she's at. She's not at home, and uh, but she's there and, and having a good old time. And and uh, and he's a firefighter too, and so that would be two for two in firefighter if that happens. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. There's no ring on her finger yet, so if someone with more money comes along. I'll definitely push her that way, and uh, but she is. Uh, there's no ring there. She's she is. Uh, she but she really they really like each other, and so we'll see if that all happens. And if it happens, I, I jokingly tell them I shouldn't even say this, but I jokingly say I'm gonna spend my time going ahead of them, just setting fires, keeping them busy. And uh, you know they're both firefighters, and you teach them a thing or two, keep them occupied. And uh, yeah, I, I'm obviously just kidding there, but it's good to be here. Thank you for the privilege of being at Central Baptist Church. And uh, some of you are thinking. We didn't know you were going to be here. <laughs> we had nothing to do with that. Pastor Andrews, thank you for allowing me the privilege of being here. And uh, it's a joy to be here. Isaiah chapter 6 is where we're going to go. I challenge you. I walked over to Ms. Papp's table today and grabbed one of her prayer cards. And I encourage you. Uh, we, my wife and I travel in full-time evangelism. In the month of April, I spent one night in my bed. Uh, in the month of May, I spent three nights in my bed. And... Uh, it's, it's a busy life, and uh, some people think, well, it must be cool to travel. It is for about the first three weeks, and then that hotel room is a hotel room, and, uh, and it's no fun. 
Now, that part of it's no fun. Um, and and I'll, I'll be honest with you, Central, the truth, the truth is I don't know that we would be able to do what we're doing if it weren't for people praying. And I'll get messages regularly. Uh, this morning I probably got 20 to 25 different text messages from different preachers saying, Brother Kurt, praying for you today. And uh, it means more it means more to me than, than you. There are some churches that support us, and, and, and I'm thankful for that. But I'll be honest with you, the support doesn't mean anything compared to the prayer. And if there's anything I could encourage you as a church family, here's a single young lady heading off to Brazil all by herself. Now, I was joking about my daughter. I was joking. Man, I'd have a hard time. I'd have a hard time. And I'm a preacher. The only thing that will help Miss Becca is your prayers. These cards are not just, I hand out, our, we have a little, about a, a much smaller than this, little prayer card we have. And uh, I tell people all the time, it's, it's dartboard material. You know, you put it on your dartboard, throw it. Don't hit my wife's picture, just hit mine. But it's dartboard. And I jokingly say that. Can I tell you? It means there, there's nothing that compares to the importance of prayer. And, uh, and I, some of y'all pray for us, and I thank you for that. And I want to encourage you, stop by the table here in just a few minutes and, and get one of the prayer cards. And, and don't just take it and, and stuff it away somewhere. Uh, you, you frequent your refrigerator. Put it on your refrigerator. And every time you open that door, even if it's just, Lord, help Miss Becca. Pray for her. Pray for her. And uh, that prayer, put that back in my Bible so I don't lose it. Prayer. I want to encourage you. Isaiah chapter number 6. We're going to look at this passage of scripture here for just a few moments this morning. Isaiah chapter 6. Can I encourage you to come back tonight? I'd love to see you again this evening. And uh, the Lord allowed me to write a couple different books. And uh, I jokingly say they're coloring books. Uh, they're really not. But uh, the, the first one I wrote was written to teenagers. It's entitled, Not Just Your Mommy and Daddy's Religion. Uh, the subtitle is, Why I'm a Baptist. Why do I even call myself a Baptist? written to teenagers, and uh, we more adults buy the book than teenagers buy the book, to be honest with you. Parents buy it and say, all right, kid, you're reading the book one way or the other. You're, I, and you do, I, we did it. We did it as Sunday school curriculum. We did it for family devotions. Uh, there are many different ways you can use it. Tons of scripture. Why do we call ourselves Central Baptist Church? Why? What's the difference between Central Baptist Church and whatever church down the road? Why are we different than Catholic? Why are we different than Church Christ? Why are we different than Mormon? Why are we, we I, I did this for teenagers. So the cookies are definitely on the bottom shelf. They're very simple, but yet tons of scripture. And uh, I, 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 have, I, have, I didn't even bring them in. I have four or five of them in here. But if you want one, you can have it. They're 10 bucks, but I don't care about the money. If you, if you want it, you'll read it, take it. it. It's yours. And then to youth workers, I wrote a book uh, right as I was resigning where I was at. Uh, Balanced Youth Ministry, just a, a simple 20 chapters of how to, how to put up with teenagers, and uh, not, not how to put up with them, but how to, how to be a blessing, how to help them, how to grow uh, in, in ministry. Anyway, Isaiah chapter 6, and uh, look at, if you would please here, Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse number 1. Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1, the Bible says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, 
I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. By the way, in verse 1, he contrasts a earthly king with a heaven, the heavenly king. King Uzziah died. The king of kings will never die. King Uzziah died. By the way, I don't put my hope in the White House. I, 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 it, does, it doesn't really concern me. I don't get fretful or worried about who the president is or who the Congress is or who this. I, by the way, I, I, I vote. I'm in it. I, I'm going to vote every, every time the election's held. I'm, I'm going to cast my vote for the, the, the politician that stands closest to the word of God. That, I don't care whether there's a D after the name or an R after the name. If they stand on the principles of God's word, that's who I'm voting for. I want God to be honored. I want God to be lifted up. I don't think I have to say which one that letter usually has been, you know, in my lifetime. But I'm voting biblical values. I'm going to vote biblical principles. But I'm not concerned with the White House. I'm concerned with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The Bible says in Proverbs, the heart of the King is in the hand of the Lord, and he turneth it whithersoever he will. So here's, here's Isaiah. Uzziah, the leader, the great king, is now dead. The city is in mourning. And he doesn't look to go to the funeral. He looks to see who the king is sitting on the throne of heaven. He knows God is still in charge no matter what circumstances take place in life. COVID didn't shock God. Uh, the, The economy does not shock God. Your medical experiences do not shock God. Your child going astray is not a shock to God. God is on the throne, God is in charge, and none of this world moves him. He is in charge. That's my God. And Isaiah, verse number one, he saw in the king, the year that King Uzziah died, he saw Jesus Christ, he saw God Almighty. Listen to this, sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he did he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto the other, saying, This was like the battle, not the battling of the banjos. This was the, the dueling banjos. This is the dueling cherubim, cherubims. They're crying one to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. I read these first four verses of Isaiah chapter number 6, and I'm absolutely overwhelmed with who God is. I know, I know, I know. We're in church. If you're not careful, you're going to see here and think, Yep, that's good. I, I've heard that before. Matter of fact, let me just ask you. I, I, I love interaction. I really do. So feel free to talk back to me. And uh, my daughters did it a lot too. So feel free to talk back to me. If you, if you, uh, how many, are, are you okay to stand? If you've been in church, if you've been, in, not this church, but any church, if you've been in church for at least five years or longer in your life, would you stand? I know, this is like Christian calisthenics here this morning. We're not supposed to be standing right now, Brother Copeland. 
You've been in church at least five years of your life or longer, you're standing. Okay, so stay standing if you've been in church. By the way, look around. It's pretty amazing. As a matter of fact, I'm looking, there's just a few not standing. And some of them aren't even old enough to stand. So that's, I, that's okay. How many of you have been in church, if you've been in church at least 10 years or longer, stay standing. 10 years or longer, stay standing. No one sat down. Wow. How about, okay, teens, 15 years or longer. 15 years or longer. If you're 15 and your parents were in church, you can stay standing because they brought you to church. It was a special song. Anyway, the, the truth is, that, that, that the only, only a few teens sat down. 20 years or longer, you've been in church. Stay standing. 20 years or longer. Wow. Wow. How many of those years have you slept in church? I'm just kidding. I'm just, during, amen, preacher, amen. Back out. How about 25 years? You've been in church 25 years or longer. Wow. 30? 30? Some of you like counting. <laughs> I've only got 20. What do I do now? Uh, how about 35 years or longer? 35 years or longer. And some of you ladies are like, okay, stop there. You're trying to tell my age. 40 years? 40 years or longer. Stay standing. Wow. 45 years? 45 years or longer? Wow. I started riding a church bus about 45 years ago. Wow. Wow. Look around. People that have been in church 40, 50 years. Can we go there? 50 years or longer. You've been in church? 50 years or longer. I'm looking at those of you standing, and 50 years, that's a lot of Sunday school classes. That's a lot of preachers preaching. You've probably heard nearly every verse in the Bible multiple times. Probably, I'd said go to Isaiah chapter 6, some of you probably said, oh, Isaiah's conversation with God. That's where he's going today. You've been there. Hey, hey, those of you seated, most of us were still standing just, just a few moments ago. You've been in church. Can I just say thank you for your faithfulness, first of all? Thank you for being faithful. God's never let you down. And you've been faithful to him. Can we give them a hand? God bless y'all. God bless y'all. You can be seated. I'll stop at the 50. God bless y'all. That's awesome. Hey, you, the truth is, I, I am curious. You don't have to stay standing any 60, 60 years or longer. Just raise your hand. Sit, you've been in church 60 years or longer? How about 70 years or longer? Wow. Wow. Hey, if we're not careful because we've been in church so long, we read the first four verses of Isaiah chapter number 6 and we say, yep, I've heard that before. If we're not careful, we let the things of Christianity, the things of the relationship we have with God, we let them get cold. 
Have you ever have you ever gotten up on a Sunday morning and thought, oh, it's church day again? You ever, I, I, we were at camp one year. I was a youth pastor and and had my teenagers there and 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 they had a guest speaker speak in the morning session. And, and it wasn't the, the regular camp speaker, but this this guest speaker got up and he 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 was uh, he was having a pretty good time preaching. And he got he got going in his preaching. He said, "Bless God." And what I've learned is that when you say "Bless God," you better be careful about what comes out next because it may not even be in the Bible. And this guy said, "Bless God, if you get up on a Sunday morning and you don't want to go to church, you better check your salvation." Because you're probably not saved. I remember sitting there thinking, "Rut row, Raggy." <laughs> I'm a preacher. There's been plenty of Sunday morning I got up and that, oh, it's Sunday again. What am I going to preach on today? I don't even want to go to church. Those people don't like me. I was a youth pastor. They tried to kill me from time to time. I mean, there, one time a kid threw a Bible at me, literally tried to kill me with a two-edged sword. There, hey, literally, there's, there's sometimes, I don't feel like going there. Sometimes it doesn't feel like the right, there's sometimes I'm tired. There's sometimes, there, there's sometimes things are occupying my time. Do you understand what I'm saying? If we're not careful, we just get used to what God's given us. We can't see the forest for the trees. Hey, can I tell you, Central Baptist Church, Woo, God's blessed this place in a mighty great way. What an amazing place. What an amazing church. What an amazing, by the way, the church isn't these walls. The church isn't this property. This, this property, literally, and I, this property could be gone with one storm. So does that mean the church is gone? No. Because the church is you. This is an amazing body of believers that, that God has put together. He's literally, the Bible says in Ephesians, put us where he wants us, where it pleased him. That's the God we serve. I, I don't know if you're getting this yet. We serve a mighty God. My whole goal here today is nothing more than just to lift up Jesus we serve a mighty God. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's Alpha. He's Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. When everything else changes in life, He's the same. God didn't let you down and God's never going to let you down. None of this, these problems in life have ever caught God by surprise. He knows what you're facing. He knows where you're going. He knows where you're going to be a year from now. And he's still God. He loves you. For God so loved, we did this at camp, for God so loved, I, I like saying the world, but I like this better. For God so loved Kurt Copeland. Because that verse is written to me. Put your name there. For God so loved Kurt Copeland that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting. I'm so glad that same God who loved me and sent his son to die in my place is still the same God that empowers me day by day and has a purpose and a plan for my life and nothing catches him by surprise. 
I look at this passage, some things about the mightiness of God. The Bible says in verse number one, he was sitting upon his throne. He's still on that throne. He's still in charge. He's still in control. God Almighty's on the throne. He is the King of kings. The Bible says he's high and lifted up, exalted, that no one compares, no being compares. That's the God we serve. That's why Central Baptist Church is here. Hey, can I tell you, Central Baptist Church is not here for a Sunday school class. Central Baptist Church is not here for, for a deacon or for a preacher or for, for, for a teen department. Central Baptist Church is here because of God. Because he's high and lifted up. Seven, over 70 years. Some of you raise your hand. Been in church over 70 years. You've seen preachers come and go. You've seen deacons come and go. You've seen Sunday school teachers come and go. You've seen, you've seen it all. What's the one consistent? The king of kings. Lord of lords. I mean, the power in God, the power that he has displayed in this, in this verse, those created beings, those cherubims looked at God and they said, holy, holy, holy. You know what they're saying? There's nothing like God. That's the God we serve. The same God these cherubims cheered for and rallied behind is the same God we get to serve. He's holy. By the way, he's not the man upstairs. He's holy. He's holy. Well, I've loved the service already this morning. I, I wish we got to hear the choir. I got to hear him a few months back, but I wish we got to hear the choir today. I said, just pile them on the platform. If they stumble down the stairs, it's okay. You were saying that, no one stumbled down the stairs, and then your wife was, she's getting ready. And I was like, oh, dear God, help her not to stumble down. <laughs> Here we go. I love how Jesus Christ was lifted up this morning in song. I, I can't sing. I'm a horrible singer. Matter of fact, this morning I was standing next to the pastor. I, I could hear his bass voice singing. And so I turned the other way. My voice was cracking. It was, it was, I, I could hear it. I don't, I don't know, I don't know. When they say, are you on key? I use a key in my car. I have no idea what you mean when you say a key. I look over, to, and I don't mean disrespect by this, but I have not found one letter on any of those things over there on that thing right there. I write letters, I mail letters. I can say my alphabet, but there's no letters on that thing, and everyone says, hit letter R over there for me. I don't, there's no letter R on anything over there. You know what I've seen today? A church family. Lifting up Jesus Christ together. Holy. 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 I'm so thankful to come to a church where we've not watered down the holiness of God. Where God's still on his throne. God's still in charge. See, Isaiah chapter 6 this is, this is literally my, one of my favorite Old Testament passages. I love this. My life verse is found just a few verses down. But I see, I see, number one, the proper view of God. He's on his throne. He's high and lifted up. He's holy, holy, holy. And, and then I hear this, the absolute power that he has when he spoke. Look at, look at uh, verse, verse number four. 
And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. When God speaks, the power of God, the majesty of God. Can I tell you, if you've been in church a long time, we're guilty sometimes of walking through those back doors and thinking, yeah, okay. Okay. Hey, preacher, preacher, ahem. We're going to be behind the Methodist at the, at the restaurant. Come on, hurry up, hurry up. Get us out of here. We don't want bonus time today. It's funny, we enjoy bonus time at a ball game. If they go extra innings in a baseball, I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. 2016 world champion Chicago Cubs. They go extra innings. I'm like, yes, free baseball. My wife's like, oh, please, Lord, no. Help us get out of here. You go to a football game. And they go to overtime, you're like, oh, yes. And you're on the edge of your seat. You go to church and the preacher goes over five minutes, you're like, come on, preacher, come on. Oh, wait a second. I would, I would be switched to think I would cheer more for a pigskin than the creator of my universe, the savior of my soul. I'm so thankful that we have an almighty, majestic, holy God we get to serve. Changes gears here. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 talk about the proper view of God. But it all changes. Look at verse number 5. Isaiah sees God high and lifted up. Here's his response. Then said I, verse 5, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I see, number one, the proper view of God, and I see, number two, the resulting view of self. See, when I see God for who He is, then I look in the mirror of God's Word. By the way, God's Word is not a microscope to look at other people. God's word is a mirror to look at myself. I, I don't know if you just caught that or not. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever said that before. God's word is not a microscope for me to look at other people's lives. Oh, look at these teens. My, oh, rebel. Oh, deceitful heart. You lied to your mama, didn't you? You went, uh, my, The word of God is not a, not a microscope to to scrutinize everybody else. The word of God is a mirror to look at myself. And Isaiah looked in the mirror of God's word and he saw God high and lifted up and he said, oh, woe is me. Who in the world do I think I am? I'm a nobody. I'm dirty. I'm, 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 I'm terrible. The, the, psalm, the songwriter said, a worm as low as I. I'm nothing but a worm. I look at God's word here in Isaiah chapter number 6, and when we see who God is, we can't help but look in the mirror of his word and say, God, I need you. God, I can't make it on my own. God, I'm a nobody. I'm, I've got so many verses going through my mind. I, I said it in Sunday school, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people which are called by my name to humble themselves. How do we humble ourselves? 
How is it we can get the right view of ourselves? You, you know, we're all, we're all, we're all prone to be this way. Every one of us are prone to be this way. We walk into church and we start looking at someone else. Some of you families, you saw other families walk in. If you're like my family was, you walk through the back door and you see this family. You know, they got five, six, seven, ten, twelve kids, whatever. And they come walking in and all their kids come walking in single file. I mean, it's almost like soldiers. Turn left, turn left, walk down that aisle. And they go and they file into their little seat and they sit down in their little pew and they're all just hands folded, Bible on their lap. I mean, they don't do anything wrong. They are perfect little children. And then you look at your family, you look down the road, your kids, one of your kids has, a, has an ink pen out and he's, he's, he's coloring in all the circles on the songbook in front of you. And then the other kid has a pocket knife out and he's carving his name in the back of the seat in front of him. And you're looking down the road and you're like, Ah! How do I get kids like that? Why can't we have? We start looking at someone else. We start comparing. Or worse yet, we look at our kids and think, hmm, my kids are pretty good. What? Hey, you know what you need to do? Your kid needs a beating. You just start spanking your kid. And we start telling everyone else how to be the parent they're supposed to be. Husband, if you're not careful, it's not a marriage conference, but if you're not careful, husband, you'll look at your wife and think, well, she don't look the same way she looked when I married her. Yeah, it's because she had to put up with you. <laughs> I heard some ladies saying amen right there. <laughs> Well, she said she's going to cook for me. She's going to take care. She doesn't even know how to clean a house. What's going on there? And we start griping. Well, I wonder. By the way, ladies, it goes both ways. Well, honey, we used to sit arm in arm in church. You used to sit right beside me in church. Now you're like four seats down. You don't even love me anymore, do you? You heard about the old farmer couple getting in the pickup truck? He sat in the seat, she got in, she's crying. He said, honey, what's wrong? And that big, long bench seat in the front, she said, where to go? He said, what are you talking about, where to go? Where'd the love go? What do you mean, where'd the love go? Where'd our love go? We used to, remember we used to get in the pickup truck? We'd sit arm in arm, so snuggled up, so close together. And, and there was so much love, we couldn't be separated. We were just so close. Where'd it go? And he just, that old farmer mentality, looked over and said, I hadn't moved a bit. That old guy said, I told you I love you at the altar. If it ever changes, I'll tell you. Hey, you know, honestly, if we're not careful, we'll walk through the doors and we'll start comparing ourselves with each other, which the Bible says is not wise. The opposite of being wise is being foolish. I didn't say you're being a fool by doing that. I'm just saying what the Bible says. The truth is, is God says in this passage of Scripture, He's high and lifted up. Look at God Almighty on the throne in heaven. When I see God for who He is, I'm not looking at everyone else. I'm looking at me. I've got to make sure I'm right. And when I see God for who He is, I don't have time 
to stop looking, start looking at everyone else's family and comparing my family with their family. I don't have time to look at someone else's marriage and, and, and think that they're, I, I've got my job, my hands full of just trying to please my heavenly father. I see number one, the proper view of God. I see number two, the resulting view of self. And then lastly, and I'm done. I see number three. The result of the right perspective, verse number eight. This is my life verse. I love this verse. I put this verse down on everything I, everything I put. I'll, I'll, I'll sign my check. I'll put Isaiah 6-8 after my, I sign my name in the checkbook. A checkbook, teenagers, checkbooks are pieces of paper that, anyway. Verse eight. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah answers, then said I, here am I, send me. God, I'll serve you. God, I'll do what you want. God, no matter what it is you say, I'm willing to do it. Not because I've got a lot to offer, as you've noticed already this morning. I don't have a whole lot to offer. But what I do have to offer is me. And because I see God for who he is and that I'm really not much of anything, I've got an earned doctorate degree. You know what that means? Nothing. It's exactly what it means. I didn't get a pay raise when I got an earned doctorate degree. Matter of fact, I lost my job. <laughs> I, 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 I've written two books. What does that mean? Nothing. Nothing. When I understand I'm a nobody, anything good that happens is just because of God Almighty in my life. It takes the pride out of my life. And then the result is, God, I just want to live for you. Hey, can I ask you then, Central Baptist Church, what are you holding back from God on? If God's really the God we say that the Bible says he is, and he is, right? And we're really just dust. I was formed out of the dust of the ground. Guess what I'm going to be someday? Dust. I, 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 everything, everything's going to burn one day anyway. It's, go, it's going to be gone someday. That fortune that I've amassed, <laughs> that, it's, it's not going to be there. It's gone. Hey, so what should the resulting aspect of my life be based on this perspective? God, whatever you want. God, I'm yours. God, if you want me to go to Brazil, go to Brazil. I'll tell people about Jesus. God, if you want me to reach my family, I'll reach my family for Christ. God, if you want me to be faithful to church, I can answer that one for you real easy. He does. Then, God, I'm going to be faithful. God, I'm going to do what you want me to do because here am I, God. Here am I. Whatever it is you ask, God, I'm yours. I'll finish. We were at camp this past week. I love this. I wanted to say it like a hundred times. I never did say it, so I'll say it now. This was open, open week. Was that what you call it, Brother Andrews? Open, open week. There were, I think you said ages 8 to 75. Teenagers 8 to 15-ish in the age bracket there. And, and, and 
Brother Bo would get up and ask a question. Brother Bo's in here somewhere smoking a cigarette. Oh, that, I wasn't supposed to say that. That was the secret I wasn't supposed to tell people. Sorry, that's right. Brother Bo, he'd get up, he'd, he'd, they'd do some games and stuff, and he'd ask questions. I'm not real good with speaking to junior age kids because I ask a lot of questions when I'm preaching, usually rhetorical questions, but I don't think junior age kids really understand what a rhetorical question is. So, you know, do you have a dog? Uh, you know, have you ever had a puppy? And, 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 oh, oh, and then they want to tell you the story about their puppy. And they are going to keep their hand up the entire service until you acknowledge their hand. And, and, and so, but there was, there was a couple times he'd ask for volunteers to do something. And those kids, literally, they wouldn't stay in their seat. They, they would, I know this is so disrespectful, but they would jump up out of their seat. And it was, they're like, oh, 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 pick me, pick me. And he's up here. And he's like looking over the top of those kids like, oh, oh, oh. And they're like standing in front of him like, oh, 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 oh pick me. And their hands in his face. He's like, can't see past you. Pick me, pick me. And he looked past him and picks up. Isaiah 6, 8 is that junior age kid to me. Here am I, God. Pick me. I'll never read Isaiah 6, 8 the same. Isaiah 6, 8, then said I. I think, I think Isaiah in this passage, again, I wasn't there. I don't know how it was said. I think Isaiah, when he was saying this to God, was like, if he could raise a leg at the same time, pick me! Hear my God! I just want to live for you! God, it's not about money. God, it's not about fame. It's not about fortune. God, I just want to live for you. You are high and lifted up. I'm a nobody. But God, I want to live for you. Is that you? Well, I'm a little more dignified than that, Brother Cody. It's okay. God, here am I. God, I'll do what you want me to do. That could be, Riley, it could be a mission field somewhere could be just reaching family. It, it could be being an owner of a business and being a witness to the people you serve. It, it could be being an employee and being a witness to your boss. Either way, Isaiah saw God. You seen God? Who's God to you? Is he high and lifted up? Does he deserve your all? Does he really deserve your all? Do you understand that we're really not of any, any consequence at all? <laughs> in that second book I wrote, I, I put something in there about, I've been a youth pastor for 20, at that point, 25, 26 years. I said, it's a humbling thought. We had a preacher come to a church and said, take your finger, stick it in a bucket of water. Pull your finger out. When you pull your finger out of the bucket of water, the amount of time it takes for the water to displace where your finger was is how long it takes for you to be replaced. I was like, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. I am more important than that. 
And in my heart, literally, I had this conversation with God in my heart. I know, I know you guys don't do that. I did. I had this conversation. God, that's not true. And then I turned in my resignation. <laughs> literally, six days later, someone else is doing my job. Teenagers are like, Kurt who? Pull the thing. I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. I just want to serve him. And that's the hard attitude that says, here am I. Hey, maybe you're here today, and you're not sure you're on your way to heaven. You heard all the talk about how high and lifted up he is, how amazing he is. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's good. That's, that's really good. But you have no relationship with him. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're in the right place. You've got an amazing pastor and pastor's wife who'd love to take a Bible today and show you from the Word of God what it means to be a Christian. Not to join Central Baptist Church. Joining a church that hasn't gotten anyone to heaven ever, nor will it ever. Well, I got dunked in a baptistry years ago. Getting dunked gets, gets you wet. I'm a Baptist. I believe in baptism. I love to baptize. I love to hold them under just a little bit longer, just to, you know, just to see how, how make, make them struggle a little bit. I'm a youth pastor. I, I'm just telling you. I, I, I believe in baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. Maybe you're here today. You've been, been relying upon how good you are. I give this much money. I do all these good deeds. Hey, can I tell you? Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. Let's say man should boast. See, I can't get to heaven on my own. If you're here today and you're not sure you're on your way to heaven, today would you trust him? Trust him today. People here will rejoice. The angels in heaven, the Bible says, will rejoice. Trust him today. If you're here and you are a Christian, what's your view of God? What's your resulting view of self? And because of that view of self and the view of God, God, I can't help but say, here am I. Send me. Lord, I thank you for your word.